Welcome back to another episode of Agile Way podcast, where we explore challenges organizations face on their Agile journey. How to become great Scrum Master, how to change your leadership style, or how to embrace agility at the organization level. I'm Suzy Shukova, Agile coach, certified Scrum trainer, and author of the great Scrum Master book and Agile leader book, and I'm your host for this podcast. I'm passionate about business agility, organizational culture, and Agile leadership, and that was the reason why I decided to start this podcast, to share with you my experiences and stories from my Agile journey. For the third series of this podcast, I'm inviting speakers of Agile Prague Conference so they can introduce their topics and they can also share with us a little bit about themselves and what they see happening in an Agile space. If you want to hear more, we would invite you for Agile Prague Conference September 19-20-2022. So today we have here Mark Leighton. He is one of our speakers for Agile Prague and... Same as for everybody else on that conference, I have a question for you. What are you currently passionate about, you in Agile space? Um, well, currently we're really passionate about this concept of executive accountability, um, which is actually what I'm going to be speaking about uh, when I am at the conference. Uh, this whole idea of, you know, we sort of put it as uh, it's your fault right, you know, jokingly with uh, executives talking a little bit about the fact that, you know, everybody seems in the agile space to be very interested in this concept of efficiency, right? How do we get more efficiency out of our tactical execution teams? And yet what we found when we went into organizations is efficiency really hasn't been the problem, right? Effectiveness has really been the problem. And it's really been at the executive level. And, And usually what happens is, you know, the executives, Uh, in an attempt to not limit their own upward mobility, uh, what they do is they take on way more work uh, than they have the capacity to service. They push all of that overloaded work down to a level in the organization that doesn't have the power to fight back. And then they kind of mask their failure of leadership by thrashing people from uh, project to project to project, right? This is what we see kind of over and over again. And so uh, what I'll be talking about is this whole idea of, hey, what is your role as an executive in making these teams successful by looking at how you need to make changes? You know, everybody seems to want other people to make changes and then reap the benefit of those other other people's changes. But how can you make changes to ensure that you're getting the results that you really say you want? And how do executives react on that when you talk to them and say, hey, you have to change. So what is their initial reaction? Yeah, exactly. Well, when it's a concept, you know, uh, they seem to be very open to it, right? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, of course, we understand that we need to change and, and so on and so forth. But when we actually start getting into the specifics of what that means, this is where we start hearing, you know, the excuses and we start hearing the yeah, buts and so on and so forth, right? So, you know, it's easy to get people uh, theoretically to say that they are willing to change. It's much more difficult to get people to actually change, right? So this is where we're finding the real work to be. And by doing that, it dramatically increased the pace in which we're able to make the sort of organizational changes that are necessary for those organizations to become more agile. Very interesting. So where do you start usually? 
It depends where the pain is at. So the first thing that we always do when we come into an organization is we're going to do an assessment of some type, right? Something that says, hey, here's how you're structured today. Here's how you actually need to be structured for you to get the benefits that people have heard about in class and so on and so forth, right? And then we sort of put them into columns. So these are things that are easy for you to do as an organization. So you know what? Just start doing them. These are things that you're going to have to socialize because they impact some people that are outside of your direct sphere of influence. You know, there's no cultural clash with them, but you need to get uh, some people on board, right? So let's start this socialization process. And then these are things that are either going to be massive process change or there's some organizational clash uh, with taking these types of techniques. So let's figure out which of these things are going to be the most impactful because the arc of change is going to be the longest on those items, right? So then we sort of put together a maturity roadmap. Here's where we think we can get you in the next uh, four weeks, three months, six months, and a year, uh, which is basically kind of what our horizon is at. Partly because we find that, you know, in organizations, the attrition rate is such that, you know, when you're looking beyond it, it becomes a fantasy, right? So that's normally the kind of the horizon that we give our clients. And then we set proper expectations, you know? So what we tell them is, hey, look, True organizational transformation, it's going to take you somewhere between one and three years, right? Realistically, this is probably what you can expect. But what we can tell you is that for the teams that are, are doing what we're asking them to do, for the teams that you've supported with proper coaching and so on and so forth, you will start seeing the benefits from those teams almost immediately. But be realistic. You didn't get into your organizational structure overnight, and you're not going to really get out of it overnight either but tomorrow will be better, right? And so uh, it's like any other journey. When a person finally makes the decision of, okay, uh, you know, I'm going to start taking care of my health or, you know, I'm going to start, uh, you know, starting on a, a fitness program. It's a great decision, but you're not going to see the benefits of that tomorrow. And in fact, you know, tomorrow you'll probably feel worse than you did uh, today because you're, you know, you're having to go through that change process, right? But a month later, you're feeling better. Three months later, you're definitely feeling better. And a year later, if, if you stick with it, you're a completely different person, right? Um, and we sort of set the expectations with the executives. This is what you can expect with your agile transformation journey as well. You know, there is going to be a bit of a satire's curve where there is a degradation um, in you pumping out uh, product uh, as we try to get things structured the right way. You're going to quickly make that up and then down the road, we're going to see much, much better uh, performance coming from your teams because they're actually healthy teams again. I have one personal question for you. We can deep dive into this topic uh, at the conference, right? But uh, I want for you to look into the past and think about what was the biggest learning on your agile journey for yourself? What's my biggest learning? Uh, I think my biggest learning was that uh, process is easy, but people are hard, right? You know, uh, I think that uh, early on in my uh, journey, I figured if I, uh, you know, could uh, get the process right, um, if I had the right model, uh, that having the right model would mean that uh, I had an easy implementation because it just logically would make sense uh, to everybody, right? Um, and I quickly had to, to learn uh, that, yeah, you can have a great model and still have a, you know, a really tough time uh, trying to make that a reality, right? So don't forget the people because 
this is what we're doing. It's all about the people. And I'd rather have a slightly flawed model uh, that had 100% support than have a perfect model that you know is resisted within the organization itself. And that's been tough. You know, it's it's tough for us to compromise uh, sometime because we're so passionate about what it is that we do in this industry. But that's probably been one of my learnings is, you know, 80% implemented is much better than 0% theoretical. That's right. I can completely relate to that. Yes. So you have a last question for us for today. Um, You know, Agile is here for a while. So look into the future. What is the future of Agile? How is it going to look like in like 20 years from now? What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, You know, it wouldn't surprise me if our industry essentially disappears as we see it uh, today. And that isn't going to be because of any failures. I think that's going to be because of success. So for example, my background is actually a technical background. And uh, when I was in the technical field, I was something that was called an object-oriented programmer. That was actually a thing. To be an object-oriented programmer was different than being uh, you know, uh, an assembly line programmer. Do you know what you call a, a, an object-oriented programmer today? You call them a programmer because everybody inherently does object-oriented programming. And I, I really think that that's probably what we're going to be seeing You know, if I went forward 20 years. Um, this idea of an agility industry probably is going to go away. But the need for uh, agile concepts is definitely not going to go away, right? Um, And so it's just going to be naturally the way that businesses that survive um, have to do business. You know, in my classes, I often uh, tell our students, I say, look, there is no defense for time to market advantage, none. And so the problem with these hierarchical organizations isn't that they're oppressive, although they are, um, it's that they're slow. And it is not a question of the strong versus the weak. It's a question of the fast versus the slow. If you want to survive, you must be moving at or above the pace of the marketplace. And the pace of the marketplace is increasing every single day. And so I really wouldn't be surprised if this idea of, you know, um, being an agile coach Uh, sort of goes away and it really just becomes something that every organization is doing in order to survive. Looks good to me. I'm not afraid of that future. I think that would be great if it happens in a lifetime and it would be good for those organizations. So thank you very much for being with me here today and looking forward to seeing Prague in September. That sounds great. It's always an honor. Thanks, Susie. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Agile Way podcast hosted by Zuzi Shekhova, author of the Great Scrum Master book and Agile Leader book. If you love listening to this podcast, please leave us a review. If there is any topic you are particularly interested in and would like to hear another episode on it, let me know. For more information about me and my Agile classes, visit our website sokhova.com S-O-C-H-O-V-A dot com Thank you for listening.